Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. I don't have notes for you this morning. This is more of a listen-to message plus being ready to head on vacation. I uh, uh, took it easy on myself. So, uh, so uh, you are more than capable of taking notes on your own. Did you know that? Uh, you just need a piece of paper and a pen, all right? So two weeks ago, uh, we began a series called What If? And the premise is, look, what if this really is the last of the last days? What, what, what if we're living in that? Are you, are you living in a way, I mean, it's one thing to say it, but if I follow you around, do I see evidence that you believe it? Two weeks ago, uh, when we began this series, I talked about Jesus' words as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And what was unique about Noah's day is it says, in Noah's day, the earth was filled with violence. There was a, a great drop in morality and there was little God worship going on. In other, words, in other words, society was on a slide. And although they saw this huge ark being built, everyone thought it was a joke. But it was no joke when it started to rain, friend. And listen, I'm encouraging you. This is not a time to just live your life as if nothing was going on. Come on, somebody. And I gave you a few points. I just want to go over those quickly for somebody who wasn't here or as a reminder if you were. First of all, please keep your focus on Jesus. Don't get distracted by COVID, vaccines, politics. The author and finisher of our faith has a name. It's Jesus. Let's keep our eyes on him. Come on, somebody. Secondly, I encourage you to worship like you have never worshipped before friend when you get to heaven you're going to be around that throne you're going to be worshiping and friend uh, if the only worship you do is on Sunday mornings you're missing your understanding of worship worship is a lifestyle where you live unto God and throughout the day come on just lift your hands and give him glory amen number three I admonish you to take steps to keep growing We've got to keep pursuing Jesus. One of the things I'm encouraging everyone to do is get signed up for Sunday school. There's some great classes just to help you in your growth. And then lastly, I encourage you to serve. Jesus is not coming back for a church sitting on their lazy boy. Come on, somebody. He's coming back for a church that understands that they are here for purpose and they're building the kingdom while they're waiting for his arrival. Can you say amen? All right, that was two weeks ago. Today, I want to talk to you about deception, and we're going to take a look at Matthew 24. Again, the words of Jesus, and Jesus said this. Jesus answered, watch out. Everybody say, watch out. That no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now listen, this is key. All these are the beginning of birth pains. 
So, so let's, let's phrase Jesus' words here. The, Jesus' word is not talking about the tribulation. Somebody says, what's the tribulation? That's the seven years uh, when things are really going to be bad here on the earth. You can read about that in the book of Revelation. So Jesus is saying pri- prior to when things get really bad, there's going to be a spirit of deception on the earth, and I want you to be careful. Can Christians be deceived? Can the church as a whole be deceived? Let me give you a great example from history just to, to make some context here. All right? Um, in 1933, almost everyone in Germany claimed to be a Christian. Now, I realize they weren't all born again, but if you would ask them, 20 million were Catholics, 40 million were Protestants, only 1 million, or only 1%, if, excuse me, of the German population was Jewish. But sad to say, many Christians were deceived by the charisma of Adolf Hitler. And even though the Nazi party said, we believe in freedom of religion, but not the Jews, should have caught everybody's attention. But somehow, now there were a few like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and others who strongly spoke against what was happening. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was martyred because of his stand. But friend, if Jesus said, as things wind down, be careful of deception and based on evidence of the church's ability to be deceived in times past, this is no time to play games. Let me tell you some things, three things this morning that I am seeing that you need to watch out for in the area of deception. Somebody say number one. Number one, beware of big government, big business, Big media, big media, and big social media giants. Listen to me. When you get power and you have money and you have a platform and you say you want to change the world, but God is not in that picture, what you're disseminating is not kingdom stuff. I'm going to come over here and try this again. You know, show me someone that's got a lot of money. Maybe they own big business, made a big name for themselves. They're respectable because they built some big empire and they sound good. I want to change the world, but God's not in that picture. What's coming down the pipeline from them is not kingdom stuff. Are are you listening to me? You need to beware in these last days of agendas that are flowing from big government, big business, big media, and big social media giants. Come on, somebody. Power without God is dangerous. Some of you may have maybe following, maybe this is the first you're going to hear about it, of what is happening down in Loudoun County, Virginia. It's kind of the centerpiece of, of school boards that are trying to push their agenda across the school system. How many of you have read some article of what's going on in Loudoun? How many of you don't have a clue? Just be honest, because then I can help fill you in. All right, quite a few of you. Okay. So the school board is, push, is pushing a very liberal agenda on the teachers. And uh, the parents have been pushing back. The, the school board meetings have been a little contentious. The last school board, board meeting two weeks ago, they didn't, even allow, they didn't allow anyone in the room unless you were going to speak. And uh, this particular young lady spoke. I, I didn't write down her name, but she was a teacher. She, she had been teaching for the last four years. She's a believer and she publicly resigned in that scoreboard meeting. And she said, not only are you pushing on me an agenda that I can't agree with, 
but you put out a form asking teachers to report other teachers who aren't agreeing with the agenda. Friend, that's what they did. That's what they do in communist countries when you don't agree with what they say. Friend, listen, you hear the, I didn't say this happened in Ukraine. This happened one hour from where we're standing today. Beware. Amen? Listen, now I want you to think about the day that the apostles lived in. Okay, the apostles lived in a day when there was a Caesar who was the king, the ruler. Caesars believed they were God, that they were worthy of worship. People bowed their knee to Caesar. And it's interesting, when Paul wrote, he said, be respectful of governmental authority. They sit in seats that God ordained. Pray for them, respect them. But can I tell you one thing the apostles never did, and neither should you? Say, go ahead, pastor. They never bowed their knee to Caesar. Are you listening? They never, they knew who their Lord was. Yeah, they were respectful of the leaders, but they also understood when they were asked, hey, don't you preach anymore in that name. Peter says, man, I respect you, but can't do that. Only name by which I can be saved. Are you listening? Amen. You say, pastor, if there are agendas being pushed by the most powerful people in our society, where do I look for truth? Here it is. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Listen, everybody say these last four words with me. Your word is truth. Be careful of what's being disseminated from all kinds of sources. Not all of it is true. Can you say amen? Number two, beware of what I'm going to call the easy gospel. The easy gospel tells you that you need Jesus. I mean, who doesn't want to go to heaven? Come on, somebody. But the easy gospel says there's no repentance involved, no turning from sin. It tells you if you follow God's principle, you'll avoid the tragedy of life. It paints following Jesus as a better way of life, but never talks about how hard it can sometimes be. Come on, can I remind you this morning that when you came to Jesus, repentance is like a U-turn. In one moment, you're going after the things of this world. Suddenly, Jesus opens your eyes, and you're turning from sin, and you're turning to Jesus. There is no other way. Put your hands together, friend. Listen, don't get me wrong. I certainly believe my life is a whole bunch better since I accepted Jesus. But better doesn't always mean easy. Listen, tell the Christians in northern Nigeria that being a Christian is a cakewalk. If you have not read what's happened in northern Nigeria, the Boko Haram is attacking churches and kidnapping people and demanding large ransoms. This is personal because my good friend, Pastor Yakubu, right here in Dundalk, who pastors Graceway International Church, is from northern Nigeria, has many pastor friends there, and they will send him a note and say, pray for such and such in my church. He was kidnapped, and they're demanding a $15,000 ransom, and if they don't pay, he will be found dead along the road. Or how about Afghanistan right now? Can you imagine being a Christian? First of all, what an utter failure of our government not to warn the people that the military was leaving. Come on, somebody. But listen, listen, if you're, if it is what it is right now. And if you're a Christian and you're stuck, I, I read an article this morning of a woman and uh, she went over there to visit relatives. She's stuck there now. She says, I will have to get through 40 checkpoints to get to the airport. She says, I don't have a chance. Come on, somebody. Is being a Christian always easy? 
But then someone would ask, well, then why would I become a Christian? If being a Christian doesn't guarantee me a, an easy life, why, why would I? Can, can I remind you of just a couple things this morning? Somebody say, go ahead, Pastor. First of all, there is no one else who can save you but Jesus. If you want to be right with God, come on, there is no other way. There's no one else who paid the price for your sin and rose again in victory than Jesus Christ. The Bible says salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Can I also tell you that when he says he'll never leave you or forsake you, he's going to keep that promise. Listen, I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, if you know my story. And God has been faithful. Come on, somebody, he's faithful. Listen, people are fearful of what they face, but can I tell you, when you get there, you're going to find grace and strength and all you need if you just keep your eyes on Jesus. And number three, why should I serve him if it's not always easy? Because Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and once your eyes have been opened to that, you can't bow to anybody else. He's the only king. Can you say amen? Listen, if you think Christians are only being tacked in Nigeria and Afghanistan, let me tell you a more recent story, something that happened just two weeks ago in Portland, Oregon. How many of you read about the pastor in Canada who was thrown in prison because he wouldn't close, close his church? A few of you do. Anyway, well, that pastor was holding a rally in Portland, Oregon. There were about 50 people at this park in Portland. And Antifa attacked the believers there through the sound system in the water, used bear spray, and threw flash bombs at families with small kids. Where were the police? Pretty much nowhere to be found, all right? This is an actual photograph of bear spray uh, being sprayed at the Christians who were there. The very next night, Sean Freud from Let Us Worship was planning on having a rally at that same park. These two were not, this was not coordinated, it just happened to be that way. He knew what happened the night before. He said, well, Antifa's gonna show up again. So he called a bunch of churches that he felt would be coming and said, bring your security team. So the next night, 5,000 Christians show up, surrounded by security teams from churches. Listen, not only did they have a night of worship, but an Antifa member got saved by the time the night was over. Come on, somebody. Listen, I'm telling you, in these last days, if we'll stick together, pray together, believe together, God is going to come through. I'm telling you, come on, somebody. He is able. And that's why the Bible says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And somebody say, all the more as you see the day approaching. Here, here's what Peter said about, if you will, easy Christianity. He said this, in this you greatly rejoice, though for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Why, why would Peter say just a little while if you're, if you're facing a sickness that's 30 years or 40 years or you have a bad marriage for 50 years? Why, why, does, he de- why does he describe suffering as only a little while? Yeah, because compared to eternity, friend, it's just a little while. Amen? These have come. What has come? These hard times have come. So that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen him, you love him, 
And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. I love this. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Listen, here's what I kind of pictured in my mind as I was reading this verse. I pictured believers on their faces in their prayer times in, in deep intercession. God, for this world, for Afghanistan. Look, I don't know about you, the last couple nights, I, I, I sleep on my side. And typically a couple times during the night, I'll wake up or, or half wake up and then flip over and sleep on the other side for a little while. Well, the last couple nights when I've done that flip, Afghanistan's been on my mind and I've just taken some time to pray. God, help our brothers and sisters who are there. That's, that's prayer. And then I picture when we gather together, this inexpressible joy. Come on, let's praise him. These Christians are praising God like there's not a problem in the world. No, there's lots of problems in the world. We're just praising him like he's still the king and he's still in charge and we know what's going on. Come on, somebody. Encourage you today with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Rachel and I had the privilege a couple weeks ago of meeting Pastor Carter Conlon. And Pastor Carter Conlon was the pastor of Times Square Church. He's now the executive overseer. Tim Delina is now the pastor of that church. But we were there for their Tuesday night uh, prayer meeting. And uh, uh, I ran across this, this five-minute segment from one of Pastor Carter's, Carter Conlon's sermon that he preached after 9-11. He's very, very, very passionate in light of what happened. But I want you to share that uh, with me. Let's just watch together, please. Listen to me like you've never listened to me, ever in your life. We have got to lay our lives down for the purposes of God. This is not a Sunday school picnic, the Church of Jesus Christ. This is not an invitation to have continuous good times. This is a war for the souls of men. Come out from among them. Run for your life. Because this is about your life. It's not just about an opposing theology or conflicting viewpoint on Jesus. This is about your life. My mind is forever branded with the story that I heard of police officers from the city of New York. As, as people were fleeing from a crumbling building, there were police officers and firemen and others that were running towards the building saying, run for your life at their own peril. And in some cases, I believe they knew they were going to die, but there was a sense of duty. I was crying out to God. I said, God, oh, Jesus, don't let my sense of duty be less for your kingdom. Then these beloved firemen and policemen were for those that are perishing in a falling tower. We're living in a generation when truth is falling into the streets. I want to be among those that are not running away from the conflict, but running into the conflict and say, run for your life. Run from Gospels that focus only on success and prosperity. Run! Run 
from those who use the name of Christ only for personal gain. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from Gospels that only focus on self-improvement. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run! Body of Christ, run! Get out! Don't touch the unclean thing! Run! From churches in America and Canada where there is no Bible. There's no cross in the theology. There's no soul-searching word. There's no repentance from sin. There's no mention of the blood of Jesus. Run! It's unclean! Run! Run from churches where you're comfortable in your sins. If you come into the house of God and you've got sin in your life and you're not convicted of it, you're at a table of devils. Run from pulpits that are filled with political men who are using the pulpit of God for a personal political agenda. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run from ungodly, spasmodic movements and endless, empty prophesying. Beloved church, run for your life. Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Run! 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 Jesus. Come on, friend. If you're a believer, your attitude has to be, Lord, I can't control what's coming my way, but I'm this and I'm holding on to you to the very end. Can you say, man, I'm holding on. There's nowhere else to look but you. Lastly, number three, thank you. Things to beware of when it comes to deception is beware of being seduced by someone's charisma. Definition of charisma is compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. Nothing in and of itself wrong with charisma, but it's, it's possible to be drawn to a leader's charisma to your own detriment. That you listen to everything they say and you've lost any discernment of real truth. Come on, somebody. Paul said in Romans, he said this, one final word of counsel, friends. Keep a sharp eye out for those who take bits and pieces of the teaching that you learned and use them to make trouble. Give these people a wide berth. In other words, kick them out. They have no intention of living for Master Christ. They're only in this for what they can get out of it and aren't, using, and aren't above using pious sweet talk to dupe unsuspecting innocence. Listen, can I remind you this morning, a pastor's job is to point you to Jesus. And then try to stay out of the way. Come on, somebody. Should you respect your pastor? The Bible says. Should you listen to your pastor? The Bible says. Yes. Should you follow your pastor blindly? The answer to that is no. I encourage you to check out what is preached. I give you permission if you ever see me doing something that's unchristlike. I'm not above correction. Do pastors make mistakes? Some of you were here a year ago or so when I was talking about the large multitudes of angels um, that are in heaven. Uh, the Bible talks about the throngs of angels, but that day I didn't say the throngs of angels. 
I said the thongs of angels. I didn't say it once. I said it twice, uh, to which my wife sent me a text and says, don't do that in the second service, honey. Uh, you'll forever ruin people's idea of what they think of when they think of angels in heaven, all right? Uh, so pastors make mistakes. That's just to get you to smile. But listen, be careful. I talk to Christians, and they're so Google-eyed over their favorite online pastor. Oh, oh, such and such, as if they can do no wrong. Come on. Be more excited about the Jesus they're talking about than the person who's talking about it. Can you say amen? Jesus said this uh, before the worst of the worst gets there. He says, at one time, you had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving yourself himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded, say grounded. And steady, say steady. In that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There's no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets the same message. I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. Let me close with the story of a young king in the Bible. In, in the Old Testament, there was a couple times when, when basically children were crowned as kings. One of them is a guy by the name of Josiah. It says when Josiah was eight years old, when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. Now listen, I have an eight-year-old. I don't think he's ready to be a king just yet. Come on, somebody. How many of you know they surrounded these young kings with more godly advisors to help them? But when Josiah turned 26 little older, he began renovations on the temple. The temple had been neglected. Josiah says, we want to we we get the temple restored. We want to get temple worship back. And while Hilkiah, the high priest, was, was looking around the temple, he found the, the Old Testament. He found, he found the law kind of sad to think that the book of the law had been lost, but really spoke of where the people were at. So he blows the dust off what would have probably amounted to the five books of the Bible and a few others. And he, he goes and reports to Josiah, I found the book of the law. Josiah said, read it to me, smart move. So as Hilkiah, the high priest, begins to read the book of the law, Josiah's heart is wretched. He said, dear God, we've, we've not obeyed any of this. Judgment is upon us. He said, let's call all the people together, and they need to hear the word of the Lord too. So a large group gathers, and they read the word of the Lord. And people repent. They make fresh commitments to serve the Lord. Bail altars are torn down. They go through the land, clean it up. Really, the last great revival before Judah was, was captured by the Babylonians. Because one man says, this isn't a time to play. This is a time to get serious and go after God with all of our hearts. And this is what was said of Josiah in 2 Kings 23. It says, either before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to God as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. For us, that would say in accordance with the entire word of the living God. Can you say amen? amen? Listen, church, I'm telling you, 
be careful in the day we're living in. Jesus said prior to when things really get bad, there's got to be a lot of deception. Stay grounded. Would you bow your heads and hearts this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Come, worship team, would you please? Listen, I'm looking for somebody here this morning that as you sit in your seat right now, you know you're not where you're supposed to be in your commitment to Jesus. And I'm admonishing you right now to get out of your seat and come to this altar. Don't care what anybody thinks. Come to this altar and say, Jesus, today I'm surrendering it all to you. If I'm talking to you, now is the time. Like Carter Conlon said, Pastor Carter, run, come on, run. Don't play. Well, tomorrow, no, not tomorrow, today. Today, today, today. If that's you, get to this altar. I'm also gonna ask everybody in this house in just a moment to get out of their seat and come to this altar and say, Lord, would you keep me in these last days? Would you keep my heart after you? God, would the Spirit of God keep me from deception? Will you help me to stay grounded in your word? Come on, that's a call for everybody here. Would you get out of your seat and come to this altar and just lift your hands and say, God, will you help me in these last days to live for truth and not be deceived, God? The Bible says the Spirit of God is able to guide us into all truth. What you're saying when you're coming to this altar is I'm leaning on you, God. I'm trusting in you, God, to keep my eyes on you, to be so focused on truth that when something false comes in, that alarm's gonna go off. Nope, nope, this ain't right. I'm living for you, Lord. Come on. Say it to God. Come on, keep me, Lord. Keep my eyes on you, Jesus. Keep me grounded in the truth, Lord. Holding on, Lord. I'm looking to nowhere else but you, Lord. I'm not in this for the easy life. I'm in this because I believe you're the Lord. And I'm going after you. I'm holding after you. No news is going to change who I believe you are. You're the king. And I belong to you. Come on. Be with him this morning.